0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Learn to Grow podcast. My name is Simon Bean. I am the host, and this week I'll be talking to Christopher Lind in what will be his second appearance on the show, a landmark. Christopher is the dynamic and engaging host of Learning Tech Talks and the founder of Learning Sharks, both projects that feature as part of his mission to shape the future of workforce development. He's the Chief Learning Officer at ChenMed and is a vastly experienced learning professional with a real passion for exploring not just how we do things, but why we do them. I want to explain quickly the premise of today's conversation because it is a little bit different. At the beginning of the year, top trends reports and 2022 predictions tend to pour out of the woodwork. And I love these reports, they're incredibly helpful, and I read them every year. But sometimes these reports can be overblown, they can lead to overreactions or exaggerations, or sometimes they're just inaccurate or miss the mark in some way. So we're putting our own spin on a trends episode, and we're calling it the airing of grievances. And this concept will be familiar to any Seinfeld fans. I will explain all of this in much more detail at the beginning of the conversation with Christopher. In our chat, we discuss trends that are so obvious they seem to have been there since 2001, the seeming desire of companies to retreat straight back to the office, the misconception that we can only connect in person, we look at the great resignation as a kind of collective airing of grievances, and the need and opportunity for internal job marketplaces. This was great fun for me. I hope you enjoy it. Here is Christopher Lind. Okay, Christopher, welcome. I wanna start off by congratulating you on being the first repeat guest on the Learn to Grow podcast.
1: First one, all right.
0: <laughs> and of all the things that you aspired to in your career, uh, I'm sure this was you know, at the, the top of the list. Top three, at, for sure. For sure, at least top
1: three. <laughs> right, so, so just having climbed that mountain now, can you give us a sense of how you feel? <laughs> I, I'm on top of the world right now, Simon. That's, that's We'll just leave it at that. I, I don't know, there's not really much left for me now. That's the That's the only sense of disappointment I have right now is that now that I've achieved this milestone, It's like, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? It's all downhill.
0: (laughs) That is the downside of being a victim of your own success. It's true. It's astutely put. (laughs) Christopher, we're going to have a bit of fun today. Uh, In an episode, we are titling The Airing of Grievances, uh, a a title that will be familiar to to any Seinfeld fans. uh, And I'll explain the rest shortly. But First, can you give me a sense? Are you just how big of a Seinfeld fan are you? Uh, You know, on a scale of one to I know every episode, you know, where do you fit?
1: Oh, wow. If 10's like a I know every episode, I'd probably say I'm like maybe a seven then, right? Because I've probably seen every episode at least once I'm familiar Uh with most of everything on it. But like if I could sit and quote every episode or go, oh, yeah, that's that's this season. This I'm I'm not quite there. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: just to set this up and to explain the premise of today's conversation, so George, uh, who you mentioned, his father Frank Costanza is this gregarious, idiosyncratic, slightly unhinged character, and frustrated with the religious and commercial aspects of Christmas – He decides to create his own holiday called Festivus, uh, and it has a slogan which he proudly declares is a Festivus for the rest of us, right? And this holiday includes many things. Uh, It includes a pole instead of a tree because he quote-unquote finds tinsel distracting. It includes feats of strength, uh, and, and perhaps most comically, it features the airing of grievances. And so during the ceremonial airing of grievances at the holiday dinner, Frank Costanza declares loudly, I've got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> so to tie in here, uh, we are in the season of trends. Uh, all of the trends reports are coming out for 2022, and trends are incredibly helpful and informative, You know, these generalized nuggets of wisdom that can help us understand global shifts and and corroborate some of the experiences that we've had ourselves at our own companies or in our own roles. However, sometimes these trends can be kind of overblown, right? And they can can lead to overcorrections, they can lead to misconceptions, and sometimes just flat out mistakes. So today, Christopher, you and I, we're going to have our own ceremonial airing of grievances, L&D style. (laughs) Uh, And in your role, you wear many hats. You know, you have a role as a chief learning officer, you host learning tech talks, and you meet with these uh, tech companies and, and talk about emerging trends. You are passionate about professional development for L and D folks. So, Christopher, I'm going to turn it over to you to begin the airing of grievances.
1: <laughs> you know, the thing is, though, I've got to say, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can do unhinged Frank Costanza. That's the only <laughs> thing. As much as I'd like to, as much as I'd like to. It will have a little more diplomacy in our conversation than Frank Costanza will, although it would be humorous to just totally unload unload on things. Because to your point, I think that the trends piece, there's value to it. And I think that you, you bring that up. I mean, is it is it valuable to see some of this stuff and just kind of pressure test? Hey, am I on the right track? You know, Have I had my head buried in the sand for good grief how knows how long type of a thing? So there's value to them. But, but speaking of one of the, the trends that frustrates me that I keep seeing that, honestly, we've seen in 2021 and 22, like, let's talk about this whole, oh, we're going virtual or hybrid now, like things need to go digital. To me, this is one of the frustrations I see with a lot of these trends where sometimes they're just painfully obvious, like, yes, I know we're going digital. And, and that's where it ends. You'll see it in the trends where it'll go, well, we're moving into the digital age. Like 2001 called, it wants its trends report. So, <laughs> so in, in that sense, that's probably one of the ones that I see now that to your point of overblowing it, a lot of this talk of we're moving into this digital age or, oh, things are going virtual and hybrid, it's as though it's new. And in many regards, this is, I mean, none of this is new. This is, unless you really have been under a rock, a lot of the things that are coming out right now are not new
0: trends. So update that trend for me then for for 2022.
1: (laughs) If you're not going digital at this point, get off your ass. Like, I mean, honestly, (laughs) like that's, in, in some ways that may be kind of a crass way to say it, but realistically, the trend should almost be like, if you aren't, on this trajectory, get on it or get out is really kind of the point we're at now. I mean, again, has this been growing for a long time? Yes, but by 2022, if, if you're still kind of like toying with whether going digital is really a priority, I, that that's concerning. I would say it's reached a point of that's concerning. That shouldn't be a, hey, we should maybe consider this for
0: 2022. An extension of that that I've noticed is that even though we've had this, you know, we made a shift in 10 days that people said would take 10 years. Yes. We can do it. We've done it. Yet there's still this anxious, nervous desire uh, for a lot of companies to retreat back to the fully in-person approach to things.
1: No, I agree. In fact, I was reading a research report this week, I'm going to post about it later this week, that I was looking at the data points, it was asking questions about, you know, moving digital, moving into this digital virtual world, and the reasons why people are doing it. And at the bottom of the list was, it's in the best interest, or it's the direction we need to. everything at the top was like, we have no other choice. Uh, there's, you know, th- and you're like, what? Are you, you're seriously at this point still only doing it because you have to, not because this is the direction that you need to go and that you should have been moving all along. So that to me was concerning seeing and that that was just an, an analyst report of people are still in many regards doing this because they feel like they have to. And it's like a second class alternative versus really embracing the fact that, no, this is this is better. You can do more with this. And that's still, that's still not where we are. We haven't reached that yet.
0: One of the things people point to when they talk about the need to have some sort of in-office presence is that there's, there's a need for connection and for people to see people and be in front of people. Uh, It it seems you're shaking your head. It seems like there's a grievance you'd like to air.
1: (laughs) So I get really frustrated with that, not just in learning and development, because I deal with this, even with my own family, Right. Because with COVID and honestly, with six kids, going anywhere is is something that a lot of times we just don't like to do because it's like, are you kidding? We might as well just move at this point if we're going to go somewhere. And and you'll hear that a lot where people go, well, there's just something about it. And it it irks me a bit because I'm like, define it, because I can tell you right now, if we go underneath the it, and you can actually define what it is, I can replicate that digitally. Nope. I mean, with the exception of maybe, Simon, if I wanted to give you a hug, in 2022, I can't do that digitally yet. But pretty much other than that and maybe sharing some scents and foods together, there's really not much that I can't do digitally. But I don't think we've taken the whole, okay, but what is it? So we say collaboration. Well, well, what? I mean, what What about it? Because if it's innovate or share ideas or, you know, communicate, like, I, I, I can't really think of anything that I go, you know what, you're right. I can't do that if I'm not sitting next to you or I can smell your, you know, Axe body spray. Like, I just wish I had more of that because that's really the X factor.
0: Tying some trends together here. We think about the Great Resignation, right, which is is fully underway and basically look at the Great Resignation as employees collectively airing their own grievances.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've got a lot of problems with you is pretty much what they're saying
0: right now. (laughs) Frank Costanza should be the symbol of the Great Resignation. People have basically said, look, we want purpose. We want autonomy. We want flexibility. We want growth opportunities. We want healthy cultures. And we're not getting that. That seems connected and related to what you're saying here about, you know, how low down on the list is the fact that this is a better option.
1: Yeah, it's concerning. It's concerning to me. And I think that, um, you know, if you're going to put that on a trend report, like there's a trend that's a concerning trend is that we're still seeing this as like a we have to do it. And I'm just waiting till I can go back to what I did before versus I get it. And now this is where we should be going.
0: Do you think organizations are understanding the importance of a healthy workplace culture where, you know, individuals have flexibility and autonomy and all of these things that we hear about? Is the penny starting to drop?
1: I would, uh... <laughs> yes and no, okay, and, and it's a yes and no for the sake that are we trying more than we ever have before? I would say, yes. Is there a greater recognition that, hey, you know what, how the workforce feels about working here matters and we can't just say, well, if they don't like it, they can move on and we'll find someone else. And that I would say is a positive trend, that, that the organizations are listening more toward, okay, how do we think about you know, the empathy, the needs of the employees? I think what I'm seeing the, the concerning trend is, is we're still trying to say, okay, so what's the box we need to shove everyone into now? Clearly the box we had before wasn't working, so let's build a new box and then let's pack everybody into it. And so there's a lot of debate around like what that box looks like and what's the dimensions and what should we make that box out of. Instead of saying, are you not hearing what the workforce is saying, which is I need the flexibility to make those decisions like yes give me some guardrails but stop trying to force me into some box that doesn't work for me stop trying to cast the widest net and just say you know what these are the most important things make sure those are getting done and then we're going to kind of let you you know we're going to let you figure that out because that's really to me what the workforce is asking for you know this flexibility thing we saw this huge trend this huge debate of well, is in-office better or is remote office better? Wrong question. That's the wrong question to be asking. The right question to be asking is, how do, what are the most important things to focus on so we can just let people decide what they need? Instead of trying to argue over, well, is two days remote work enough or do we really need three? Like you're missing the forest through the trees.
0: In your role as chief learning officer, you know, in the last few years, have you noticed a bigger appetite for learning from employees and, and just general, just people generally?
1: <sighs> um, see, I, I answer a lot of things with yes and no.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Is there a greater appreciation and desire for people to learn? I would say yes. You know, I think people have our questioning Am I doing the right things right now? You know, Do I have the skills to be successful in in the workforce type of a thing? So there is an attitude of, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it. Is that translating to do people want more of what corporate L&D has been dishing up for the last however long? I would say if you're looking for that correlation, the answer is p- p- good chance it's not. Mm-hmm. Because again, going back to this personalization piece, if they're not necessarily going, man, I really need development. So I want to fly to corporate for a week and and sit in the classroom. That's not the kind of desire that's it's growing in people. It's more this, I have a need for development, but it's really unique to me. And maybe I need some guidance on how to figure that out. And I'm willing to explore new things. Uh, so I would say, yeah, the desire's there. And I think this is where, from a trend standpoint, L&D needs to figure out how do we better merge and mold to that workforce instead of going, "Hey, great, there's a greater desire for learning, so let's try and push our wares harder."
0: I wonder too if that's connected to an increasing need for kind of internal marketplaces uh, where people have more internal uh, mobility say in in organizations. Uh, If we think about the great resignation to one of the things I've noticed in that is people are realizing if I want to pursue an opportunity or something different, that has to be somewhere else, right? At a different company. Um, Right. So Do you see, you know, linking that to what you were just saying, do you see a a move towards kind of more internal mobility? And, you know, if there is a greater appetite for learning, it's learning to grow within a company as opposed to having to go elsewhere to find something new.
1: I think there's a massive opportunity for it right now. I absolutely think there is. I think to your point, you, you brought it up. I think right now the perception and why we're seeing so many people resign is that there is a perception that what I want isn't here. And that's not the case. I mean, you look at a a big organization, when you think about the diversity of opportunity in an organization, it's like, no, it's here. You just probably don't know about it or haven't figured out how to connect your skills or your abilities to those opportunities. So I think there's a huge opportunity for it right now. I think the challenge is there's a lot of work to do to get us to that point. Because in the conversations that I have with with just employees in general and with organizations, there is a little bit of a grass is greener perception from the workforce. And I don't think employees, we talk about skills and and behaviors all the time in L&D as though it's our second language. To most people, they don't think in those terms. So if you told somebody, you know, well, what skills do you use in your job? most people would just be met with the deer and headlights look like i i i have no idea what you're talking about so the challenges is that is why i think the workforce is struggling to connect those dots because they don't see the connections so they may just go well i'm gonna i don't like this company anymore i'm gonna go try and do the same thing at xyz company because they're offering me 10 grand more a year when in fact, it's like, well, but do you even really know what you love? Because maybe you hate 80% of the job you do. And if you were to mobilize to a different function or role, you may be happier. And I think that's the opportunity we have right now is to help people unpack that.
0: I know you're big on intentionality. It sounds like what you're saying is people need to be more intentional and deliberate and aware of you know their own skill sets and how they might fit in the broader set you know, within their organization and elsewhere maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's just it is, is the question of, you know, if you talk to some folks now they'd say, well, I'm not happy in my job, so I'm looking for a new job. And if you were to say, well, what do you you want in a new job? That kind of work hasn't been done. Well, what would make you happy in a new job? What do you think is It's going to look like if you're in a different job, what are you hoping to accomplish in that new job that you're not getting today? that deeper work isn't necessarily happening. And so I think what we're going to see is we're going to see a big shift, but if we don't get that part right, it's not going to actually solve the problem.
0: Very good. Well, listen, you wear a lot of hats and you seem to wear them all well. It's because I'm bald. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to keep a hat on at all times. I see. The hats are functional. Okay. Your secret is out.
1: That's functional. See, there goes back to that intentionality.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out and chat, and uh, and and being willing to to take the Seinfeldian approach to uh, top trends. I wish you all the best with the fam and uh, over the holidays and and in the new year. And uh, I will be in touch.
1: All right. Sounds good, Simon. I guess we'll we'll see where we land in 2022. So have a great have a great holiday break.
0: Absolutely. Same to you. Cheers, Christopher. That was Christopher Lindt. I hope you enjoyed our unconventional take on a trends episode. I really appreciate Christopher making the time and having the sense of humor to accept this proposal. Uh, As usual, I've added any relevant links to the show notes. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen. Take care and all the best.